swords and handle art to spark souls and charge souls to cross roads and bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest and store some legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's a grand theft of old scrolls simon's quest the drone earl rock shoes to air clue keeps the exit gaming news the police get some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english Control yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting, we're getting better. We're getting better. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A-Dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues. Download it. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Review it. Uh, head on over to Twitter. My Control Issues. That's what you want to look for. You can also go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos from time to time. There it is. Hell to the yeah, yeah. A-Dub, it is nice to be back. We're doing it on a weekly basis, which means that the setup is holding strong. <laughs> <laughs> as strong as it can with like the duct tape and the cotton balls and the crevices. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. There's, there's a whole lot of duct tape on this. Um, but yeah, we're still keeping it going. Uh, how, how have you been, first and foremost? You've been good? You, you healthy? Yeah, staying healthy somehow. Just ducking and dodging. Those, <laughs> yeah. little, those little microscopic terrors outside. So, you know, just not really thinking about it. Following the guidelines. Yeah. Limiting, limiting my exposure outside. You know? Hell yeah. Yeah. So, uh, while you're limiting that exposure, what have you been playing? Well, I have been just hacking away at Divinity. I kind of cut back my hours. I was playing roughly like three to four hours a night for like two or three weeks. I was like, you know what? I need to do other things with my life. <laughs> so, yeah, especially with all this free time, I, I could be, I, I could spread it out a little more and just more well-rounded as a person so i come back uh just through the week maybe an hour or two here and there do like a mission get into a couple of encounters try to close out some some stuff before i move on to the to the next island but uh yeah just playing the hell out of divinity and yeah i'm at this point i've reached the second point of no return there's the first one you reach on the tutorial island and then there's the second one you reach when you get to the big mainland portion of the game. Now I'm about to go to another island and it's like, whatever you're doing, get it done or it's going to get closed out. You can't come back. This is the end. So I still have some loose threads there. I've looked up a couple of solutions to some harder quests that I couldn't figure out on my own. So I have a little guidance and yeah, just rounded it out, grinded it out there. Of course, a lot of the stuff I missed was, for when I was at a lower level. So I'm coming in with an advantage, which is a change of pace, given that almost everything that I ran into in the game up to this point has been my level or higher. So it's nice to be more in control for a change, be able to experiment, see what all my different spells and combinations can really yield. Uh, what, what else is happening? 
yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about that. So I'm pushing ahead on Divinity, still putting in my marathon hours on the weekends. Since I'm kind of relaxing on it and I have a little more free time to just do like my normal stuff, reading, drawing, things of that nature, I decided to get back into Into the Breach, which, man, I forgot how much I love that game. The first time I booted back up last night, I, I just, I couldn't even get past, I, I could get past, but not to the level of satisfaction that I, I was looking for, but just the first encounter. So, you know, with Into the Breach, there are four different islands. They have very different conditions and mission types, but they're, they're also like different terrain, different hazards. So I'm in the very first island and I'm playing around in there. It took a while, but as I kept rerunning it, getting used to the hotkeys, getting used to the mechanics, it all started coming back, and suddenly I'm still sitting there taking those 10-minute glances at the screen, like, how am I going to maneuver these enemies so that none of my stuff or none of my mechs takes any damage? It's it's great to be back in there. Like As far as difficulty would go, I would definitely classify it as more difficult than divinity I mean, divinity is a different type of thing it's difficult in its own way but you just have so many options available to you that there's there's always some kind of thing you can do to either turn the tide in your favor or to to negate the drawbacks of a poor decision whereas with into the breach like you, you don't have that wiggle room. Everything you have to do has to be perfect or you're just, you're going to be immediately caught in this downward spiral where you lose. So it's, man, it's, it's stressing my brain a bit, but I'm enjoying it quite a lot. The simplicity of it that lends to the higher levels of strategy that are involved because you could try to brute force it and just destroy the enemies before they do enough damage to the city to destroy you but at the same token there's this higher level where you're moving them around and just neutralizing all of their attacks so even though it's enemies on the screen and you're not doing damage to them you're still protecting the city and surviving through the encounter long enough for them to just go away <laughs> so it's man it it's just such a small well-done game i'm using a different squad of mechs than what you initially start out with so there's one that has an electric whip that whatever whatever you hit it also hits all the tiles that are connected to it so if you have like a couple monsters standing by a couple buildings in one of your mech you just hit one and all of them take damage. So it's very useful against enemies. It's not the best thing to use when they're near your buildings. However, it does have an upgrade that makes the whip pass through the building. So you can still chain them and suddenly a weakness becomes a strength. It's, mm -hmm. it's awesome. Then the second mech in that group is like a harpoon tank. So you can shoot at something and pull it towards you no matter how far away it is. And you can also shoot at like a building or a mountain and pull the tank out of harm's way. Then the last mech is a rock accelerator that just hurls a giant boulder like a mortar. And then when it hits the ground, it creates a mountain. And it also pushes away the two adjacent tiles to the left and the right. So... It's once you like 
get used to the movement mechs, then you can set up the physical mech to just clean it up. It's unbelievable. But AMC, what have you been playing? Yeah, I've been putting in um, work pretty much in on Octopath Traveler. Been playing with Luigi's Mansion. Um, went up uh, to, I think, floor 13 out of 15, so I'm almost done with this game. Uh, oh, I, they have a 13th floor? No, they definitely, and it's, it's a scary floor. It's where I got the, um, I got the third toad. So basically at the very beginning of the game, um, all your homies are taken away from you by King Boo. Your homies being three toad characters, the different colored toads. I think it's like yellow, blue, and then the usual red toad. And then Princess and Mario. So at this point, I've saved all the toads. Now I got to get Mario and Peach. And, uh, they're all, they're all basically frozen in portraits, like, um, like Han Solo and that Carbonite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just pushed a little forward with that, but mainly I've been putting work in Octopath Traveler, which has been absolutely the shit. Um, at this point, I, I'm in the chapter threes. I did the doctor's story, uh, his third chapter, and then I did the protagonist, uh, the first character I chose, his story. He's like the knight and pretty dope. Like he... Um, his thing is he's after the guy who took out the king, like um, his king. And so he's trying to find him. And one thing I'll say about this game that they do really well is every boss battle is like a knockdown drag out fight. Like it's, there's never one that I kind of just waltz right through. And it's like kind of set up by the abilities of the boss. The boss always have, they, they tend to always have like one attack that hits every, every teammate. And then, um, they have like one ultimate attack that you have to kind of prepare for every time that they throw out and you can kind of prepare for it in multiple ways. Um, you can either go defensive, set up your defenses and prepare to take that attack, or you could try to hit his, um, focus on his vulnerabilities enough that you end up staggering him before he can get off the ultimate attack, which then kind of resets his phase. So, um, the way I've been doing it is I just always go directly after the vulnerabilities. And so it's kind of stylized or set up the style of my combat. Um, at least how I approach the combat in that game, which is very much, um, just jab, 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 and then come with an, like a, like a haymaker. And so I'm, I'm rarely ever preparing for, to be on the defensive. If anything, I'm, I have, I now have the point where I, I, I got a secondary job where I can make anybody on my squad a healer. And so I kind of passed that secondary job to at least one person on the squad. So now I always have a strong healer. So it's really just about being able to survive that ultimate attack from the enemy if he gets it off and then just quickly healing as I'm jabbing him and getting closer to staggering him and so now that i have that set up it's been pretty sweet especially now that i have the ultimate attack for that fighter because the difference with that is uh a regular character on my squad will get about say like 200 like uh like points of damage to the health whereas when i do the ultimate attack that i build up to it's around like ten thousand. so it's it's a it's a, a huge difference in attack. So with that, like it's now just kind of like almost shelling up, getting off little jabs here and there. Once I stagger him, I get that haymaker and enough of those, like about like three of those and I'm winning the boss fight, but it's about like surviving and to get those haymakers. So it's, it's very interesting. And so like these chapter three bosses have been a lot tougher. They've been throwing in some new, um, I guess attacks that 
you really have to be prepared for and just the way that they um use the different phases each of the rounds of the in the fight so yeah this game uh, octopi traveler is like just finding new ways to throw difficulty and step up i guess like the ways you approach different encounters um so yeah that game is killing it there you go but a dub let's get into the topic of the week <laughs> top topic of, of the, the week, week. So of yes, the week. what you what you got coming from from Sony? Well, as you all may or may not know, we're stuck inside the house for the foreseeable <laughs> future. I mean, most of us know it. Some of us still don't get the picture, and y'all need to get it together. But Sony's gotten the picture, and they want to help ease your at home woes because they're starting their play at home initiative which is going to give you a little something and it's going to give a little more to those indie developers out there trying to survive the crisis. Uh, to be specific, Sony is making the Uncharted collection free for everyone. And it's going on now. I believe the official dates are from April 15th and it ends at May 5th. Uh, they're making Uncharted collection free. They're also making Journey free. So if for some reason... You haven't picked up those games, and if for some reason you don't have PlayStation Plus, now would be the time to hop on these. And again, this isn't where you download them and then they become inert once like a period is over. You download these; they're yours. It's they're free games uh, for Germany and China. Sony is offering NAC two, <laughs> so I know some people were excited about that, and. Further, what they're doing to give back to independent developers is that they are starting a $10 million fund to help them make it through this trying time. Their exact words are, independent developers are vital to the heart and soul of the gaming community. We understand the hardships and financial struggles struggles that many smaller gaming studios are facing. With that, Sony Interactive Entertainment has developed a fund to support them during this time. We've earmarked $10 million to support our independent developers and their partners or independent development partners. More information about the fund and participation criteria will be coming soon. So that's pretty cool. Helping out any developers, which subsequently helps more games get made in this time when people can't go into the office building and assemble as a team. Uh, you get Uncharted Collection. And I believe Uncharted 4 is one of the free games for PS Plus this month. So Sony has made the entire Uncharted franchise free. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, get your journey on. Yeah, get your journey on and get your Uncharted. Um, two things that really define, like, the PS3 era. And um, just games that, like, if you haven't played and you're a PlayStation fan, like, it those are games that you want to jump into the vault and test out. Like I, I'm never like journey has a special place in my heart, just in general from my personal experience when I played it solo and just how it made me feel by the time the game was done. And then when I first started like seeing Marissa and journey was the first game we played together, which is just me sitting there and watching her play and like seeing her have that same feeling of like just going through all those 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 waves of emotion and then just that feeling of triumph once the game was over and the idea that like if somebody hasn't played it to be given an opportunity to play it for free is just i think an awesome like situation that sony is like set up 
Yeah, and they're trying to encourage you to be healthy, be safe. Just keep your ass in the house. <laughs> and yeah, the best way to do that is with three straight like uh, uncharted games. So that's plenty of gameplay to go through and just a lot of action to run through. I mean, that's at least if you gamed for twenty four hours a day, that's at least three days in the house. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and then um, I know like there is like there's this weird kind of criticism somehow that like uh, Sony has like gotten away from the indie developer and like yada yada, and this is kind of just showing. Who was saying that? Just like I don't know because I know with the PS3 era, there was a lot of support behind indie games, the indie initiative, and so like PlayStation was like the indie console to go to to play like a lot of those games, and there's been like a lot of talks about how. The Nintendo has really stepped it up and kind of taken the mantle as like the indie flagship for where people go to play indie games. And so there's this idea that Sony had gotten away from their ways of supporting the indies of the world. And this here is just kind of like a reminder that like they haven't forgotten. They still love games. And it's not just about first party games. Well, I mean, Nintendo came at the indie development scene and simply took it to the next level. They even had an indie developer do a first-party Nintendo title, Cadence of Hyrule, from the creator of Crypt of the Necrodancer. So that's, you're not going to match Nintendo on that level. I mean, what are you, you going to get? Like, what could you get? What Sony crossover, like, what Sony game would you want an independent developer to make? in their own style. Yeah, like, it's, it, it'd be hard to, like, to really think about that. I mean, just um, just thinking about, like, their third parties and what they could possibly do, like, that they could work with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just in general, like, just locking down, like, indie exclusives is, like, something that people want or at least they seem to, like, care about. But, I mean, a lot of those games end up eventually making it over to PlayStation. It's just a matter of, like, which console they end up launching on first. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we were discussing, like, Into the Breach, like, um, I believe is, a, is still a Switch exclusive right now. So it's, like, one of those games that, like, I'm sure people would like to get their hands on if they had a PlayStation. I mean, even independent games on Kickstarter are as on PC and Switch. And not talking about the other consoles. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's yeah, awesome initiative, like, all together, like, that they've set up here. Um, and, like, just from... To take care of the consumer and to also help out the developer in, the, in, like, in, a, in these very trying times, like, where people are just trying to find ways to move forward. And this is one way that they've decided to help out, which is really cool. I mean, I still want to see, like, a tactical turn-based... Dead Space, or like a roguelike Dead Space spinoff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to see anything Dead Space related. I don't know. Like, what is EA thinking? That property is a gold mine. They just didn't know how to properly excavate it. Yeah, and maybe being a generation removed from it by the by PlayStation 5 and Series X, maybe we'll see like a return to that. Um, just especially Dude, like, if I ever see a PlayStation 5 Dead Space game, I'll lose my mind. It's going to be one of the most beautiful, best-playing games ever made. I couldn't imagine like how that would look. Like the presentation of the original was already so great. And, exactly. Like, what they were do- like what they 
it kind of like set up with as their foundation with like like removing limbs and targeting certain areas of the of the, the what were they zombies right they were zombies the necromorphs the necromorphs yeah um and to see now with like the evolution of like um where the console is at with this processing power, ray tracing and all that stuff and seeing how they can take that to the next step with Dead Space would just be amazing in general. <laughs> the Dead Space trilogy was on PlayStation 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still among just the finest examples of what a game could be. Yeah, I think it's like it's one of those games that I think isn't discussed fully maybe because people are still caught up on like getting butthurt with how they may have like felt that dead space three was handled, but it's, you don't want to, Oh, that's mostly what it is. Yeah. But you don't want to forget, like it's kind of like mass effect. You don't want to forget that mass effect two and mass effect one are a lot of people's favorite games and not just get sold on like just the way that the franchise ended basically. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so hopefully, yeah, we'll see a return to form. I mean, we saw with this generation, how, people had kind of gotten upset with Resident Evil and the way that it was going. And then with these remakes and even how they handled Resident Evil 7, we see Return to Form and even like a next step for that franchise. Maybe we'll see that with Dead Space. That would be pretty amazing. Maybe. I mean, this is great news. People getting free games. I mean, everybody's got to be happy with that, right? (laughs) You would think, right? I would hope. I guess it's not the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what you got, Ed? But I got I got that troll of the week. Troll, troll of the of week. The week. <laughs> <laughs> so of course these are folks who either aren't happy with the copious offering from Sony, or they're just trying to stir other pots in the kitchen when they need to be left on simmer. Hmm. First troll says, "What time does this drop on Game Pass?" <laughs> 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 Next show says, while Sony works to help the industry, Microsoft is hiding in the shadows looking for new ways to take money away. Shake up, Weeple. <laughs> hiding in the shadows. <laughs> Scheming of how they're going to get this money. <laughs> Your move, Microsoft. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A little winky face at the end. Uh, next troll says, Sony must hate China and Germany. Mac 2, why not just spit in their faces? Not everybody wanted Mac 2. Yeah. Where's Mac at? Yeah, it got a sequel. Yeah, it's supposed to be better than the first one. It's got co-op now. <laughs> you got Nick and Mac. <laughs> Part 3 is going to have Patty Whack. Yeah, <laughs> that the dog bone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, next show says Journey is one of the most overrated games. Part of me believes that it was hyped too much, so I felt let down. Just like when I watched The Hangover. Over. So this this is somebody who's still butthurt from the days of what was it like Walking Dead and Journey winning Game of the Year? <laughs> yeah, it's overhyped. Uh, these are these aren't AAA. I spent the collective $30 to play both of these games. <laughs> it's, one's a walking simulator and one's a visual novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put them together, it would probably be an okay game. Yeah. <laughs> Next troll says, again, here's a novel idea, Sony. Give your customers a game they actually want. Anyone who wanted to play Uncharted or Journey would have either A, bought it by now, or B, downloaded it for free when they were free on PS Plus. The nice try making it look like you care, Sony. 
So again, just to reference some ballpark facts and figures, only about half of the people who own PlayStations have PS Plus. That means the other half of our community doesn't have access to those free games, so they couldn't have downloaded them. And most likely, they probably haven't bought the games either, because why would Sony give out games that people already have? They can see the numbers. They can see the metrics. So not only are these games free for good, not just with the service, but they're free forever. So everybody can get them. You go on the internet, you go on the PS store, you download those games. I think people like that just lack a little context. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Or like they still under, they can't think outside themselves as, as per the use. <laughs> well, I bought it and it was free because I have PS Plus. <laughs> So I don't need it. Therefore, no one needs it. Nobody needs it. Nobody needs it. Next show says, giving away PS Plus games is almost useless. <laughs> Next show says, here comes the choosing beggars. Be thankful for what's given. That's, that's my kind of troll. <laughs> <laughs> choosing beggars. Yeah. So he's kind of sideways to people who who maybe wanted something else. Don't don't bite the hand that feeds you. Don't look yeah. the gift don't look the gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> don't, don't look the gift shoe hay in the mouth. Uh, last show says, I mean it's cool that they're doing that, but I think two free months of PS plus would have been better. Uh, yeah. So they could spend two months complaining about those free games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. Uh, nothing to say here, man. Sony did their thing, and they also set up a, a fund for independent developers, meaning we're going to be getting more games down the line. Probably going to be PlayStation console debuts as a result. Who knows? But the important thing is they made a gesture. They're putting up money. They're trying to help. Appreciate what you get. Don't complain about what you don't. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into the next topic of the week. Top. Of the week. So, A-Dub, this will be a quick hit, but, um, you know, this is something that's always full of controversy, and when there is an update, we have to cover it, even if we like it or not. So, this coming from The Verge, actually coming from the ESRB, which The Verge covered. So, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, the ESRB, which is the organization that rates the content of video games, announced a new label today to indicate that a game will offer in-game purchases of loot boxes or similar types of items that provide a player with randomized rewards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So um, yeah, there's also there's like blood dripping from it on the uh, on the rating thing too. No. Um, so yeah, oh, wow. if, if you go to buy a game, uh, it now indicates that that game has. In game, not only in game purchases, but randomized specifically <laughs> randomized rewards when it comes to those things. So, uh, all right. So, a dub, does this solve the problem? Are we are we good now? <laughs> I mean, according to everybody who complained, this is this is what would have done it. This is all they had to do. So, it's <laughs> it's done now. <laughs> you got your label. Yeah, you got your. Now label. everybody will know the game with loot boxes has loot boxes. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, so now, now people are a little more informed. They should now know when they're buying something to look at mm-hmm. the label before they buy the game. So now parents won't buy these games for their little kids anymore. Yeah. Because they read those boxes and they know what randomized rewards are. Yeah. <laughs> and they know that the effects of randomized rewards on addictive behavior. Yeah. <laughs> and they care. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, too, with that when it comes to me being a new parent. Parents want things that will keep their kids busy. So it's the, the idea that the idea there is that you're giving your kids something that is going to feed that addiction to keep them busy for a while. <laughs> so, like, it's the idea of well, what kind of addictive like traits are they, uh, are they going to try to pick on? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Just. I, I called this when the whole thing started. It was like, look, it's going to be a big uproar. There's going to be a lot of wasted time and energy on this. Nothing's going to happen. At most, you'll get like a label on the box. No, like These things aren't going away. And now we're one step closer to them not going away. <laughs> so I hope everybody's happy. Thank you for playing. Let's move on to the next hot button issue. It's going to get you all up in a tizzy. Exactly. So that's all I got for that, A Dub. So let's uh, let's get to some questions. I pulled out some questions because it was a light news week. Unless you got anything else, let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? All right. So A Dub, let's get into this. Um, so I was thinking uh, about gaming combat, and so I decided um, let's talk about combat, but. I'm going to break it down and we're going to talk about how important it is to us. And you're going to rate it in between one to 10 on a scale of how much it matters towards great gaming combat. All right. So Ada, when it comes to great gaming combat, this will be an easy one to start off with. Where do visuals fall? One to 10 for you. This is visuals, meaning like the, like overall, like the style, um, how it looks retro, all that stuff. Like, does it matter? Just, just how it looks. Does this also factor in like how it moves and how people react to being hit by things? Yeah, all of that. It's like ragdoll physics, all that stuff. Ten. Ten. It's probably the most important part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would probably say yeah. It's got to be a ten. Um, and I'll throw in like all those like little details. Like I love retro games, like um, or at least that retro look. When I think about like uh, Octopath Traveler. But yeah, when I think about like say a game like Spider Man or even um, Max Payne, and just like like the use of like one the style when it comes to the combat in Spider Man, like when you're just jumping off the building and you're you're um, I guess chaining combos, but just how you see each and every action as you're button pressing it, like I don't know, it just gives you it immerses you into that combat just a little bit more because it feels like when you're pushing it the uh sequence of events that happen after are a a direct connection to your button prompts as opposed Mm -hmm. to just like i don't know like pushing something and feeling like a little disconnected from that so yeah i would say visuals is a 10 for me as well because i mean it doesn't matter if you're just pressing x to win or if you're just or if you're like in there pulling off combos and button combinations, as long as what's on the screen looks 
and moves in a way that's just like, oh, I'm really doing something. Oh, I really hit him. Like, oh man, that's just, that's devastating. I'm going to save that. You have the colors and the brushes to work with, then it doesn't really matter how complex the input mechanism is, as long as the output is that AAA cinematic quality experience. Exactly. Um, all right. So the next part of the category, we will have difficulty. So uh, wh- where does difficulty stand for you when it comes to like gaming combat and how much it gets you into it? Like, d- does it matter to you? Is it important? Well, are we talking difficulty or are we talking challenge? Because I feel like those are two different things. Uh, we'll say challenge. So like uh, as far as like when, like, uh, like if you get hit, you, you could die in one uh you could die in one shot we'll say but like in general like the fact that like every time you approach a battle there's a chance you could lose is that important to you yeah you have to be able to lose otherwise it's not a game <laughs> you're just you're just trying to figure out how to move forward if you can't die or if you can't lose uh yeah man, you, you have to be able to lose it's i can handle a punishing experience where like if you make a mistake or two it's going to make you pay for it and you're going to be more likely to lose. However, I feel like there should be some give and take in that respect where you can make a mistake or two, but then you can, you can build on that to regain the upper hand. Like it's like I said, with into the breach, there's once you make a mistake or two, there's just this cascade into failure. Whereas with a game like divinity, if you make a mistake or two, you can just adapt your strategy around the new circumstances and make it work. So difficulty, if I had to assign it a number between one and 10, I would say that's like an eight. Yeah, um, I'm right around there with you. I'd say for me personally, I would put it at, you know, I'm going to put it at a seven but it is uh but still on the side of importance in that like i do appreciate like a game where it's kind of about me just fucking shit up and just having a good time like i can understand that but when i think about the games that i get most into it's definitely the ones that are most difficult because like where i'm actually having to assess the situation before i walk in and i can't just run in because i'll get overwhelmed or um like a thing that like uh the, the way I can kind of like encapsulate it into like words is like when, like when I see you playing and you get that like shit, shit, shit. Like when you realize like I just stumbled into a bad situation and I quickly have to like, like I guess like regain my footing and then like kind of bring it to an even playing field and then I can start like trying to gain an advantage. Like I, I live for those encounters where it's just like, oh shit, like I completely underestimate, like, underestimated this enemy and now i need to take him serious moving forward they just suddenly teleport halfway across the screen and one shot your healer (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh that's that's what you do yeah (laughs) (laughs) like all right now we gotta work with that but yeah those those nail biter like just winning by a thread matches in divinity or something else especially when i have to result resort to like kind of bending the rules of the system where I use a resurrection scroll and summon somebody outside of the range of combat so that I can heal them and then bring them back in and repeat that process. So it's like, I'm starting fresh, but you've been through half a battle. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you gotta, 
you got to poke at the system like that. But other times, you get in there, you make it happen. I'm surprised at a lot of the encounters that I finished off on the first try and maintain just that continuous motion of progress. Those are the best. That's like the best part of a combat system where it, it looks great, it challenges you, and somehow you manage to figure out how to beat it and continue moving forward. And it's just all part of one seamless experience. Um, okay, so the next one, we're going to say environment. And so with that, I was thinking about like one, just the overall, like the way it looks like so visually there, but then also uh, if the environment plays a factor into a ga- gaining an advantage or putting you at a disadvantage, like how important are those things when it comes to like uh, combat in a video game? Oh, it's extremely important because the the combat in well the the environment the battle setting mm-hmm. is just as important. It's why I I was real big on cover shooters when Gears of War made the system popular and more games started implementing that mechanic and with Divinity too, especially now, I'm starting to see how terrain is more useful in a tactical sense because. Divinity 2, there's a whole lot more use of the different levels of combat and ways to exploit that than there were in the original. Like, for instance, I was in a fight. There's three demons. They're like humanoid kind of demons. And then there are two demon dogs. And we're fighting, and I noticed that there's this little ledge or like this little platform with a ladder on it. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if the demon dogs are able to use ladders. So I have two characters with the teleport spell and we teleport one of the demon dogs on top of the platform. Sure enough, it's just stuck up there. So I've taken an entire enemy out of the fight that I could come and, and mess with later and just turn the, t- turn the tides in my favor. So yeah. Like, um, when I think about, like, certain games, like, uh, building off of what you were just saying, so, with the difference in, just say, turn-based versus tactical turn-based, and I think about, like, some of my favorite turn-based games, and a lot of times, the background is very much just, like, a backsplash, and so, it's there for maybe, like, mood and, like, setting, but it doesn't really play a a huge part into the combat, whereas I think about then with Divinity, and, um, like, how I'll look around, and you'll see, all right, there's the formation of the enemies, and so you're trying to figure out who's the strongest of the bunch, but then you're also then assessing where are all the barrels at? Are they around barrels? Are they are any of them in a puddle? And once that all starts to factor in, it really, like, almost I get lost into the game because I'm now, like, I'm almost literally putting myself into that world and trying to figure out how I can manipulate the majority of it to my favor as opposed to just manipulating my character to be better than the enemy. So yeah, I would say like for me personally, I thought giving that number, I'd give it like a straight up, uh, straight up 10. I think that like you, if you do it right, the environment can be just as important as like a character build uh, or an enemy type. Personally, I would rate it a nine, just a little bit below the looks because it is, it's nice to have the environment there. It kicks it up to the next level, gives you more options, freedom, creativity. It's a different medium. But like, I want it to look right. As long as it looks right, you can get me there. Then the environment. So it looks right, and I have places to play with. And then the challenge is like, all right, it looks right. 
I got places to play with it. And it's just this tough as nails experience where there's this give and take between you and the enemy. Ah, (laughs) so good. All right. um, So this is one that we discuss often. Um, Where are you at with like combos? I don't want those canned combos, man. I'm waiting for some developer to make some kind of dynamic combat system where the character like knows how to fight and just like whatever whatever foot they're on whichever way they're facing whichever way the enemy's coming at them whatever the enemy's throwing at them how high or low is the attack they'll react to it instead of just playing an animation and they're kind of they're kind of fudging the line there especially with a game like Sekiro where you're just you're just blocking blades and it's you press the button each time deflected coming back with it is and they had so many animations that that filled those gaps between them there was always some kind of transition or a twist or a or like a turn or or swinging your back foot into position to hold the weight it's it was just very well executed so i feel like I just, man, with combos, they got to look more realistic in the sense of being random and contextual. Like, The Last of Us was the game that really, that really, like, pushed that to the next level after Matrix Path of Neo, of course. But um, uh, The Last of Us, because they tagged everything in the environment, it's like you weren't just fighting in an abandoned room. The room became a weapon, became a character. Like, all right, I'm going to get you over by this refrigerator. <laughs> Slam your head in the door. Uh, get you by this window. Like, push your neck through the, the broken glass. It's things like that that kick it up. Whereas when you play, like, a Metal Gear, it's just like, one, two, kick. same thing the enemies react the same way you throw over your shoulder then you gotta carry and put them in the dumpster it's it's, for as polished and as smooth as a metal gear is it's that lack of dynamism that just makes it seem so sterile and homogenous it's you're just three hit comboing somebody in a desert then you're three hit comboing somebody in a an oil refinery then you're three hit comboing somebody on a boat then you're three hit comboing somebody in an underground facility then you're three hit comboing somebody on a submarine (laughs) (laughs) how how long can you get away with doing it yeah um i'll I'll start with my number i have it right around like a five or i'm completely like neutral on it where so combos like i think about like games the games that I would say favorable, I think about with combos would be uh, Batman Arkham and especially Spider-Man. But they're not necessarily, when I think of my favorite like games of all time, they're, they're up there, but they're not still at the level of, say, like a Final Fantasy um, and games along those lines. And so... Like I, as much as I enjoy combos, they're fun for, as you mentioned before, like scene painting and like just doing some crazy wild stuff. I don't really care about just um, kind of being an action superhero where I'm just socking up dudes and they're just taking all my punches once I get off my my one attack. <laughs> that Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> yeah, like that 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 isn't my go to when I think about games. It works in certain games, especially like yeah, as I said with like Spider Man and Batman, they do it really well. Even like God of War, 
but um yeah i i definitely it's not something that i think about first when i think about combat in a video game it's it's a it's just happens to be part of certain games that i like it's definitely high on my list it's because it plays into how a game looks and the animations of it and i'd say the same thing about characters planting their feet is that's a really big detail for me where if they're just sliding along the dirt and not interacting with the environment that pisses me off to no end both of those i would put at like an eight yeah <laughs> um okay so, so they're they're tied with challenge yeah so this is a little different because it's not necessarily a part of the combat but i consider it within the range of combat and so this being preparation so games that have preparation for combat as far as loot um and anything that requires like looking at your character's build before entering a a situation where does that fall for you i would say that's a five it's because it's not very important i appreciate it when it's there however at the same token even the games like the really good games that have it it's still not as polished and QOL as it should be. I shouldn't have to just go through all these menus and compare all these like tiles to figure out what are the best tiles I want on my character for a particular situation. Like that should really, they got to do better with that. You should be able to, I, I know some games let you have preset loadouts and that's cool. I just feel like the the whole menu management of min-maxing your gear is still a little too unrefined for what it could be. I don't know what the solution is, but that needs to be worked on. Yeah, um, I'm actually pretty high on preparation. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the most important thing. Uh, I would probably sit around and aid on this one because I do like the idea of preparation. It's when what you described when it goes bad is when I'm a little more uh like anti it like when it just gets to the point where my inventory is half of the game that i'm playing um that part can be a little bit of a downer for me but when it's done right and i'm just say focusing on what weapons i have and then it's like a couple items that like i might just pick up and like oh i have a health item and maybe like a mana item or whatever a stamina item that's fine for me but once you get to the, the point where there's just so much other than what's in preparation for the next combat encounter. That's where it loses me. But yeah, like Octopath does it right where it's, you only have so many weapons. So it's, it's quickly, you can quickly see what's your best weapon. And then you just quickly outfit like the character with whatever stuff that's going to add to their defense. And then that's pretty much it. I'm, I spend very little time with uh, any other inventory in that game. And that's for me, that's, the perfect uh the perfect level of like streamlining that portion of the game when it comes to combat half of my time spent in a session of divinity is exploring combat progression the other half of the time is buying and selling stuff with the merchant and outfitting my characters with all the stuff i just bought then outfitting my characters with the stuff that was unequipped in that process that still might be useful and then moving all that stuff over to the character with the high barter skill then talking to the merchant again to sell all that junk 
and then getting back out on the streets. <laughs> okay. Um, these will be our last two. So um, the first one is going to be turn base. We'll we'll kind of combine turn base with tactical turn base as well. But uh, where do you fall on that when it comes to combat? Or whether it's real time or turn base. Uh, it, both individually, like uh, as far as like when you see a game and it's turn based, like are you are you jazzed for that, or, or at least where's your excitement level? Uh, stupendous, extremely. Like it's as soon as I see turn based, like okay, let's see where this is going. Is <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if it's turn based, that immediately and automatically implies a certain level of thought and consideration to the game's mechanics. That as long as it looks good and moves well and is interesting then it's probably a sure thing whereas if it's like real-time combat it's very easy to get very lazy with that and just not have the kind of accoutrements you need in order to make an an action game really pop whereas with turn-based you know that it it you just know that they're there have to be certain restrictions. There have to be certain buffs and perks. There have to be certain like items and loot and gear. There's just so much that comes with it in order to make that system work that it's more than likely going to be something that's worth your time or my time at least. Yeah, I mean, you already know where I stand on turn base. Um, those are the games that I tend to gravitate towards more than anything. And when it's done right, it's automatically going to be on like on my Mount Rushmore video games. And so, yeah, I, I'll just quickly say like that's easily like a 10 for me. I love turn-based games, tactical turn-based, even, even better. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I, I like that little break in between the action, very much like a football game where you have your scrum and then you take a break and you prepare for the next scrum. And so like that's how I enjoy like my combat scenarios. And then, uh, yeah, we'll finish with, and then so real-time, uh, where are you at with real-time and how important that is with the with real-time action? Um, that, that like, can, I said, like I said earlier, like it's, it, ha- it has to be done right. It's very easy to get lazy and to do the things like not make the character plant their feet, to make the weapons just pass through the enemies with no real visual feedback, to put in those cheesy canned three-hit combos that are the same all the time to lack the transition animations that make it look less robotic, to put in just the tank controls where the legs are running one way while the body's swinging the sword in the complete opposite direction (laughs) with no kind of resistance, like like Skyrim and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's a higher bar to meet with that. But when it is met and when it's pulled off right or just in a way that's never been done before, it's the most satisfying experience out there. So real-time and turn-based, it's, it's just a difference in approach to me, but I would say that's number nine on the list That would that's tied with like the environment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah, like I, I, I enjoy a good like real time action RPG, like um or just a real time action game. Those those are always fun for me. But uh I I obviously gravitate towards turn base. Um when I think about it done right, like I think about like say like 
the division I like really enjoyed. Um, a lot of that has to do with also being able to play with the homie, but like a good shootout is always fun for me in a game. Uh, I enjoy hand to hand. I enjoy hand to hand, but um, I honestly, if I were to think about it, I probably just enjoy shooting a lot more in games. But um, a good hand to hand, like real time game, if done right, like what I'm looking for, like what I'm ex- hoping that uh, Ghost of Tsushima is going to be, um, that can really do it for me. So I'm, I'm going to put that around like. Here's hoping. I assume a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I see. Yeah. So that's uh that's the last one I got. So, um, I think we're good for this episode, eh, Dub? We we're right I mean, suffice it to say that. I mean, suffice it to say that pretty much everything is important. Yeah, you know, exactly. Varying degrees, but they're all highly necessary in producing just this one cohesive, polished nugget of an experience. Yeah, exactly. Like that's how it is for me with any of them. It's my my range of excitement ultimately will come down to how much um, craft went into like the final product, um, and if they've done it right or somehow done something new with it that will it, so that will enhance the experience that much much more. But um, yeah, it's just kind of like what I gravitate towards are certain key things that like I'll notice and be like, oh turn-based and they did this what like this is an amc game now <laughs> yeah like when when i saw the platforming in Baldur's gate 3 it was like excuse me <laughs> and plus i'm playing i'm playing divinity 2 and i already see like the foundation of that even in the more recent battles that i've been playing so now i'll i'll set up a battlefield before i even start get the the spellcaster to the highest point on the map and they just have ridiculous range and do whatever I want. <laughs> it's amazing. So, hey, Dub, do you have any final words before we get out of here? Stay home. Stay safe. <laughs> don't don't let the stir crazy make you real crazy. <laughs> get some more. Get some more wine or something. Chill out. Is just think about other people. Don't just think about yourself. All right. Good words. Well, I mean, sorry, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A-Dub. We are Control Issues. Thanks for playing. Sucker. Sucker.